Well, my name is Nathan. Uh, it's good to be with you. Why don't we go ahead and uh, let's just jump in. Um, everybody's family's weird, right? I mean, you know that, right? I mean, your family's weird, my family. Like, you typically don't realize it until later. Uh, like, growing up, you just think it's normal. But every, everybody's family's weird. Like, for instance, I didn't know it was weird uh, to when, you, when you're, like, buttering bread uh, to have the butter and the bread, like, the same thickness. Um, I just thought that was, like, delicious. Uh, Kelly thinks it's disturbing. Um, their family was obviously very stingy with butter, uh, which kind of explains a lot, actually. Um, I, I, I didn't realize growing up that warsh isn't a word. I mean, I know there's not an R in it, uh, but I just, I didn't know that. Uh, which has made me really wonder, like, man, how, how are we screwing up our kids, right? Like, like what are the things for, for, for David and Eden that they, they don't even know yet how weird we're making them, right? I mean, for example, there are certain things that, that are just like, it's just what Miller's do. Like Miller's, we go on hikes. That's what we do. Uh, our kids walk faster than most adults, seriously. Um, it's, it's what we do. Uh, they, they think it's normal for their dad to have to point out every large tree he sees. Doesn't matter where, when. Sometimes I have to stop the car. Like here, this is, uh, this is outside of Perkins in Florida. It's like, I, I couldn't help myself. Like, we got to stop, kids. Like, let's go touch it, right? Um, or here's another one. Uh, yeah, I just, I, yeah, that's part of, part of what it means, means to be a Miller. Um, I have to, like, touch it. I have to smell it. I just, I... Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, they, they know that, that Millers plan our lives around food. It's what we do. Uh, our next road trip, we're driving 84 miles out of the way each way so that we can go here. Oh, I just can't wait. 84 miles worth every bit of it. Absolutely. I mean, they... they they, they know, like, on Friday mornings, uh, on the way to school, we sing a made-up song every Friday. Um, every time we pass an O'Reilly's, seriously, here's... Oh, here's oh, oh. O'Reilly, auto parts. It's, just, it's what we do, right? It's weird. And they don't even know it yet. Actually, they do now. They're at the 8 o'clock service. Um, it's weird. But the reality is, right, you and I, we are shaped by our family of origin, aren't we? Good things, bad things, weird things, our families shape our identities. And we're studying the, the book of Acts, right? Because that's our family of origin story, the church. It's what, what it looks like, who we are. It's, it's our earliest identity. And if you take just one thing with you this morning, I hope, I hope it's this. There is no family like this family. There is no family like this family, the church, God's family. I mean, yeah, we've got our quirks, believe it, right? We're weird like sniffing trees by the side of the road, weird. And yet if we live out this new family identity, I'm convinced that we, we can find a joy we didn't even know was possible in community and, and that we can even impact this little corner of Olathe where God has put us in ways I don't think we've dreamed possible. Now, if you're, if you're not a Christian, or maybe you've been hurt by the church, um, we are really, really glad you're here. You're not alone. But regardless of what you believe, your background, your situation, I think what we see here this morning, it's something we all want. Even more so as we get more and more isolated as humans, I think we, we're desperate for this kind of thing. 
In fact, my biggest, my biggest fear as we move into this new space, I'm not exaggerating, my biggest fear is that we're going to lose it, like some of this. Because part of our very core as a church, like our mission statement from the very beginning of Christ's community is to be a caring family of multiplying disciples, influencing our community and world for Jesus Christ. A caring family. But what, is that, what does that even look like? Well, why don't you stand with me? Let's read God's word together this morning. Stand, stretch your legs. Don't want you falling asleep yet. Um, and, and hear these words that describe our family of origin. I mean, this is, this is the birth of the church 2,000 years ago. Last week, if you hear, Peter just preached the first sermon of the church, and 3,000 people became Christians. Okay, so they're like already kind of a megachurch, right? And here, here's how Luke summarizes everything that's happened so far. He says in Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, he says, And they devoted themselves, the Christians, the new believers, to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Go ahead and have a seat. Let me pray for us as we jump in. Gracious Father, we, we need this. Um, as we become more and more isolated, more and more lonely as humans, more and more divided and set in our ways, God, we long for this. And Lord Jesus, we were reminded once again this past week of how broken and desperate our world is. And together as your people here in this place, we pray for those in Florida and beyond who are grieving, reeling from such terrible loss. God, would you be with them? God, I pray that the church in those communities would rally around them to love and to comfort, to bring even just a tiny bit of hope. And Lord Jesus, would you deliver us from evil? Let your church be a place of healing, of reconciliation where those who do feel isolated or filled with despair can find community and hope? And would you also root out the anger and violence that still lives within our own hearts? Lord Jesus, it shouldn't be this way. And so we pray together that your kingdom would come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Make it right, make it whole, Lord Jesus. And in the meantime, let us be different. Let us bring hope. Let us be your church, your family. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the picture that we have in Acts of this, this family, quirky, weird, I mean, it is, it is an uncommon community, isn't it? And we've been in Acts uh, these past few weeks together. Um, and as we continue today, this is also the, the first Sunday in Lent. If you didn't grab our, our Lenten devotional last week, we have more of those uh, at the exits for you to help prepare our hearts for Easter. Um, but as we do so, we're calling this section of Acts the beauty of weakness, because that's, that's what we see, right? As God works through his people, through his church, it's ordinary people, like people like us, right? People filled with weakness, brokenness. And yet God works, and it's beautiful. 
But there, there are two dangers as we, as we get started. Two dangers, I think, when we read a text like this. Like if you're listening to it this morning. Kind of two, two extremes that we can go in. Uh, on, the, on the one hand, uh, we can hear these words and we can very quickly become idealistic and soon after disillusioned, right? Like we read this, like, well, why don't we do this? Why, why, why doesn't the church look exactly like this today? It looks like utopia. Let's do that. And frankly, many have tried this and failed along the way. Well, it's important to note that these summary statements in action, there's several of them throughout, uh, scholars point out that they're, they're just that. They're summary statements. They're meant to be snapshots of the ideal. This is what the ideal community looks like. They're, they're highlights of the early church. And frankly, if you like just, you know, turn your page a couple pages, you very quickly find that, yes, the church is still broken. Like it's still filled with, with messed up, hurting, desperate, sinful, selfish people. You almost have to think of these, these summary statements kind of like a scrapbook. You know, a scrapbook of like, you know, family's first child. That's oh, so adorable, isn't it? You know, it's got, it's got every, every best of picture. It's got all the, all the smiles and the first steps and the first bath and, you know, birthday cake on its, like it's, it's perfect, right? But like you and I both know, that's not the sum total of that infant's first year on earth, right? But you don't put the pictures in there of, you know, the sleepless nights and the endless screaming. There's no pictures of the latest blowout or poop floating in the tub, right? We, just, we don't do that. But it happened, right? And, and the reality is that's what's happening. Yes, the early church looked like this at its best moments. These things were true. And Luke, who's writing these, he wants us to know this is the ideal. This is, this is what we should all strive for, ultimately. But, and we'll see this in Acts. You'll see it in the, in the New Testament epistles. It was also a place full of broken, hurting, ordinary, weak people like us. And so what I'm, what I'm trying to say here as we, as we look at this text is we're going to disappoint you. Okay, as a church, we already have for some of you, right? Uh, it, it's just part of it. We don't, we don't want that to be true. We, we, we want community 24-7 like this, but they didn't even have it 24-7 like this. We will do our best. We will experience moments of it, absolutely. But prepare yourself. It's going to be messy. And that really leads to the second danger, right? The other extreme is that for many of us, we hear words like this and we're like, well, that's not going to happen, Right? And we just completely dismiss it as unrealistic, like this happened in some sort of fairy world and nobody loves like this. Nobody cares for each other like this. And that's, that's the wrong path as well. No, we're not going to create utopia here together. But we can taste this kind of community. This is what Jesus has purchased with us by his blood. It's what the Holy Spirit empowers us to do as his people. And I've tasted it. Some of you have tasted it. Yes, it's broken, it's messy. But we can strive after this more and more together. Does this make sense, this, this tension as we enter this? Is it okay? All right. There's no family like this family. And there, there are three things in particular true of our family of origin. And my prayer, our prayer, is that we would carry this family resemblance. First, the family gathers. Well, that's obvious, right? I mean, of course we gather, gather. Like we're here, aren't we? Right? We have to make a point of that. But look, look at how, how committed they are. I mean, in their weakness, like, think about this. This, is, this thing is, this is brand new. Like, this Jesus guy, they're just trying, like, they're committed to one another. I mean, this is, the church is the ultimate non-traditional family, isn't it? All of us are adopted, right? You better believe we're blended. 
And they're just trying to figure out what does it look like. They, need, they know they can't do it alone. They need one another. And so verse 42, let me read it again. Right, Luke tells us, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So first of all, they, they gather regularly, day by day, early on. Like this, is, this is a regular part of their rhythm, and eventually they're going to grab onto Sundays, right? The early church picks Sundays. Now think about that. Like, what would it take for a group of Jewish people, mostly, who for 2,000 years, like, everything is about Saturday, right? It's, it's one of the Ten Commandments, for crying out loud. What would it take to get them to say, hey, you know what, let's, let's start doing this on Sundays? Well, it's when Jesus came back to life. And every, everything for the church rises or falls on this one historical detail. Did Jesus come back? And so they grabbed onto Sunday. That is our day. Like every, every other holiday gets one chance a year, right? Birthdays, Christmas, Valentine's Day. Some of you are relieved by that. Uh, once a year, that's it. Easter gets 52. Every Sunday is Easter Sunday. It's, what we, it's who we are, right? We're built upon this thing together. And so they, they gather. But not a social club, right? They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, it says. Like already, early on, they, they recognize there's something unique about these apostles. As leaders within the church, you see the apostle, kind of the definition, those are the people who, who knew Jesus like personally. They, they met him. They'd, they'd seen him dead and then they saw him alive again. And the people around them, like, we want to hang out with those people. Tell us more. We want to know who this guy was. He apparently changes everything. And so for you and I, I mean, like, we don't, we don't devote ourselves. Don't devote yourself to my teaching or reads, please. Like, we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. Those, those teachings were written down for us in the New Testament. We don't want to be hung up on a, on a personality or a teaching. Like, this is, this is what God has spoken through the apostles, we want to know the people who actually knew and saw Jesus. And so we devote ourselves here to the breaking of bread, it says. We'll talk about that more in a second. To prayer, that we're, we're a community who recognizes our dependence before God and asks him to intervene in our lives. And, and when they gather, there's awe, he says as well. Maybe, maybe it doesn't look the same way all the time as it did for them. We'll unpack some of that later. It's hard to figure out exactly what that's supposed to look like. And yet, at the very least, the church ought to be a place of wonder. Not just, not just of ritual or rules or advice. No. Like should, we should gather to encounter the living God, to, to leave here filled even just a tiny bit more like with, with wonder and joy that there is a God who loves us. And so we, we gather. It's what this family does. It's who we are, week in and week out. It's a bit quirky, but we do it. And so what, what are we devoted to? I mean, individually, like what are you devoted? What, what, what about us as a church? Are we devoted to being together like this? I think deep down we all long for this, this kind of community, but for some of us, if we're honest, we just kind of think it's supposed to happen, right? That's just not the way it works. Friends, we are shaped by our habits. We become what we love. And we, we exist as a church, not as an end in, our, in ourself, okay? Not so that we can just all come on Sundays and go and do our own thing. Like, that's not why we're here, right? 
Like everything that we do, we exist because we long to encourage and equip you for all of life, for everything that you do outside these walls. But to, to do that, like we have to gather. We have to come together for encouragement and support and equipping. And, and not just here, but in a smaller setting, right? A small group or a community group, the bigger we get, the more important this kind of thing becomes to, to learn how do we apply these things together. What are we devoted to? For it, it's in the context of this devotion, right? This kind of commitment to one another that we're able to experience the family's love. That's the second thing. The family loves wow, they loved each other. You just can't, like, anybody else is sort of stunned by this? Look, look again, verse, verse 44. And all who believed, okay, so all, all the Christians, they were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. No, they didn't become communists. People love to take scripture out of context, right? No, they became a family. And families share. That's just what we do, right? Like, I I cannot imagine a context in which it would be okay for me to be well-fed and my own sister to go hungry. Like, I just... Like my own actual physical... I just can't imagine that. Like, why would I do that? Or, or, Or I'd feed my one kid but not the other. Like... Like, it's just, it's unthinkable within the context of a family. No one within this family should ever go hungry. No, no one within this community here should ever lack their basic needs. So ask for help for some of you. I mean, that's what, that's what family does, right? My kids, believe me, they have no problem asking for what they need. And that's okay because we're family. There's no shame there. If you need something, if there's, if there's a way that we can help you, encourage you, support you, pay a bill for you, like if we, we want to do that as a church. And so some of you, you need to just start to ask, to have the humility to say, I need from the church. Others of us, probably even more of us, right? Like we've got to be generous. We've got to be willing to sacrifice for the sake of the people sitting around us. And sacrifice hurts, right? That's why it's called sacrifice. It does hurt. But it's what the church does. I mean, think about this. Somebody here needs your help. Maybe, maybe they just need your encouragement, your wisdom, your expertise. Maybe they need something financially or something that you have. But somebody here needs your help. And the church shares. As a church, we, we try as best as we can, right? When we know about a need, we try to meet it. In ways that are healthy and sustainable, right? For everybody, that's really important. But we, we want to do that. We want to be a part of that together. Um, we do that through our ministry partners at Mission Southside, for Olathe, across our city, and uh, certainly with our, our family members, our extended family in, in Rwanda. We want to. We get to. But it's not just financial generosity. I love that too. Like some of us, the money part is almost the easier part. Time now. That's a hard one, Right? They're so generous with their time, not just with their their finances. Day by day, breaking bread in their homes. Because the earliest earliest records of communion, right, the Lord's Supper, it wasn't like 
you know, a little tiny piece of bread with a little drop of juice, you know. Like it was a meal. It was a regular gathering of people who said, we're going sh- we're to we're share a meal. We're going we're gonna to figure out life together. We're going to get to know one another and care for one another in real and tangible ways. The early church practiced hospitality. And they liked it. I mean, with glad and generous hearts, really? But they did. So do we carry the family resemblance? Do we look like them? When's the last time you've had somebody in your home? Especially somebody maybe who's you wouldn't normally have or shared a meal with someone or just offered encouragement or help to someone or made an effort to remember somebody's name. I mean, do we love like this? Do we even like each other? You know, one of the things that I, I hear most from new people, you know, we try to gather this information, newcomer coffee, membership class, or just an informal, like, why, why are you here? Or why did you come back, you know? We want to know. Um, one of the most frequent things we hear from new people, it's not my preaching or reads, I mean, I wish somebody would say that, but <laughs> it's not it. It's not the music. It's not the kids' programming. As important as all those things are, I'm not minimizing those things, but the thing that we hear often, most often, and people almost say it sometimes with surprise in their voice, like, you guys actually like each other here. Well, yeah. And that, that, that is a community that you have created, like a warmth of of care, of compassion, of love, of actual interest and authenticity. And people feel it when they come in and they want it. Um, Another example of this, I did an interview for a magazine uh, last week. This is not a humble brag, by the way. It's one of those magazines nobody's going to read. Still waiting for the call from National Geographic one of these days. Um, So it's nothing like that. And frankly, I didn't even have a good answer for them. I don't think, Uh, at least not what they were looking for as like a program or a system or something that makes us great. But basically the question, the question they were asking is why when other churches are getting smaller, why is Christ community growing? And again, I wish they had like, well, we do this, 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 and it was just all awesome and, you know, we're so great. Yeah, I I didn't. I just, I said to her, I thought about it long and hard. I just ended up saying, you know, I think, I think what it comes down to, if I were to boil it down to one thing, is that we're the church that remembers names. And I say that, I said at 8 o'clock, I was like, man, I don't know a lot of you people. Um, so I say that like with guilt. Uh, but that, I think that's part of, part of our core. Is we, we want to know you. No matter how big we get, we want to know your name. Somebody on staff know your name. To, to know your story. To walk alongside you. To remember you when you come back. And if we do that as staff, I'm convinced you're more likely to do that with the people you're sitting by. And I think that's a, that's a value that we that we share here, right? Um, I know some of you are thinking, well, I'm, I'm just not good at names. Please. Nobody's good at names, right? I, but we say that, but the real, I mean, I'm going to be a little mean here, but like, you just don't care, right? If we're honest. Because your, your brain, my brain is full of all kinds of useless information, right? Stuff we care about. We can remember just about anything we want to. People's names matter. Because when you know their name, they, they begin to feel like maybe this is a place of community, of home, a place where I can, I can be known for who I am, not, not the, the face that I put on, but a place where people can care for me and trust. I'm convinced that trickles down to the warmth we feel at every, at every level. As a senior in high school, 
a little over 20 years ago when I first walked into Christ community, wrestling with my own faith and my own spiritual identity. Um, on my second Sunday, somebody remembered my name. It changed my life. We want to be known, people. And if I'm, if I'm honest, I'm terrified that we're going to lose that next month. Because all of a sudden, we're going to feel like a big church. And actually, let me just, it's time to let the cat out of the bag. Um, everybody's been asking, when? When is it going to happen? When are we going to move over there? So it's happening right now, I'm going to tell you. March 18th, four Sundays away. So we have three Sundays left in this space. One month from today, March 18th, will be over there. So, huh? It's pretty exciting, right? Um, oh, yeah, you don't have to do that. Um, it's exciting, but I'm terrified. I mean that. Because we've been able, like, we are, we are a large church. Most of us just don't realize it, right? Because we have it broken up into four services, and it feels a little bit more intimate, but we, it's going to feel like it in four weeks. And I don't want to lose who we are. And being a family is so core to the identity of the people of God. We have to fight for that. We have to find new ways to approach it, to, to pursue it together. Not because, not because we're obsessed with growing, right? We want to be the biggest church. Not a, that's not it at all. It's because we will do anything as a church, as God's people, right? To help people meet and grow in Jesus. And we believe people do that best in the context of a caring family. And so we have to. And so you can help us, right? There are lots of ways. Cultivate that sense of love. I mean, pray. Like I've been praying, pray as well. Pray that God would expand your capacity to love. They'd open your heart to new people. Remember names? Work at it. It's hard. Get over it. It's hard. Smile. Greet people. Have people in your home. Join a community group. Serve. Be generous. Pursue someone who's different from you that you would, in a normal context, you'd never pursue, but because of Jesus, you'll, you, you can be family. I mean, all of this, if you think about it, all this is weird in our culture, Right? We have become so isolated and so stuck in our own niche groups. Like, this does not happen anywhere else. But we have a chance to do it here. It's not normal. But it's what this family does. And when we do, when we do, the family grows. It's there, right? It's what Luke says. And this, I mean, let this shock you for a second, because it's like, okay, they do all these things and it grows. But like, what community do you know that's that intensely intimate, right? That doesn't end up becoming a clique, right? Existing for its own self and, you know, self-absorbed membership and, and all those kinds of things. But no, like, they have this kind of intimacy, and yet they also at the same time miraculously they have open arms for anyone and everyone. Not all churches can do that. All should. Look again at verse 47. Luke says, Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Favor with all the people. Now in like five minutes, they're going to suffer persecution, right? Remember, this is, this is a highlight statement. And yet they still, nevertheless, they have such favor among the crowds that God adds to their family daily. Where strangers become family, outsiders become insiders, where those who are dead in their sins, longing for hope, find life and hope. It happens here. And yet, I mean, what would you say the church in America is known for? 
do we have this kind of favor? Are we known for our love? Are we known for our politics? The things we're against? For our anger, our self-righteousness, our hypocrisy, the people we don't like? Shame on us. Shame on me. God, forgive us. Turn us back to the things that matter most. That yes, I mean, what's, what's so beautiful about this, like, like this, these aren't a group of weaklings, like blown around by, by the cultural winds, right? They stand for something. In fact, so much so, I mean, they're the most countercultural people on the planet and they're going to be killed for it. Just a few pages. It's going to happen. They're not a bunch of wimps. And yet, they're known for their love. And they just can't stop growing. And so let me ask, do people want to join our family? You remember that family when you were a kid? You always kind of secretly wished that, like, you were in their family, right? Almost like you peer through the glass and like, oh, man, it's, they got everything. It's, they all seem so nice. Like, like, it just had this, like, awesome, like, right? Am I the only one, right? Like, yeah, we have that. Like, that should be us, Right? We should be a family where people who don't even believe these incredible things stand outside looking and saying, man, I wish I, wish I could believe that. Who, who, who are drawn into people. I mean, where, where else do strangers, people who, who disagree on all kinds of things still come together in love for one another? Where else does that happen? Where else do people acknowledge each other's sin and brokenness? And we're not blind about our problems, but we forgive each other anyway. We pursue each other with patience and reconciliation. Like, where else? Like, that is what I want. And any, any more people on the outside, right, looking in, they are drawn to the community long before they're drawn, drawn to our message. And so what do they see when they look in? Are they lining up? And will we, with open arms, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, they're back, like, come, find Jesus with us here. Does that describe us? What do we do about that? I mean, love, right? Love our neighbors, our coworkers, our classmates, our friends. Love them as if their lives depend on it. And tell them why. Invite them in to see for themselves. You know, in a lot of ways, it's never going to be easier to invite somebody to church in the next six months, Right? Hey, come check out our new building. It's not that weird, right? I mean, it's a little weird. But like, it's, it's going to be easier now for a little bit. We have an easy entry, right? It doesn't have to be so weird. And welcome them into our family. Pursue them in your world. Pursue them right here. And love them to life. And if we do, maybe, just maybe, as they walk into this, this family, as they see it, maybe they'll get a chance to meet our favorite brother. It's pretty amazing, isn't it, that because of the gospel, we get to call Jesus brother? Like, that never ceases. It sounds, it sounds like heresy, doesn't it? Just coming out of my mouth, right? But that's what the scriptures teach, right? God has one true son. His name is Jesus. But you and I, regardless of who we are, regardless of what we've done, through faith, we get to be adopted into this family, and we are brothers and sisters with him, for it's why he died, it's why he lives, and he wants a really big family. Yeah, we're going to mess up. 
We're going to disappoint you and each other. It's going to be messy. And yet with him, Jesus, as our brother, there really is no family like this family. Let's pray. Father, it just feels so out of reach to love like this, to sacrifice like this, to care so deeply. And so we ask that you would do that. God, would you do it in us through your spirit at work? God, would you capture our hearts with what could be, what ought to be in your community? And that together we would love well. So God, I, I pray for those who are here, maybe who are new or maybe been here for a long time that we have just blown it with, who don't feel this sense of love, whose names aren't remembered, God, and who feel alone. I pray that, that you would change that and that we would find those people and love them. Not, not out of duty or obligation, but simply because that's what you've done for us. You've pursued us while we were still in our sin. You came and you found us. We want to be that church. God, be with us as we move in a few weeks. God, we're so excited. It's going to be so fun. Thank you for that gift. But God, I, I pray that you would help us stay tethered to who we are. And that as a result, we would grow in our love for you and others would as well. Open our arms wide, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. We've been rescued by God, our Father through the power of the Spirit, that we might call Jesus our brother. And, and he has rescued us to be a part of his family, that we might be the representation of this love to a world that desperately needs it. We've been called to represent this love, yes, as the church gathers, we love each other in this place, but we are also called to be witnesses of this love as the church scattered Monday through Saturday. And so the question for us is, are we living our lives? Are we loving each other and others well in such a way that the world looks in and says, I long to be a part of this family. And I know we are not good at this. We are not perfect at this. But may the Lord equip us to be his church as we seek to represent his love in this world. And, and, and as Nathan shared, March 18th, we're going to be in this space. And, and, and yes, things may feel different, but it doesn't change the fact that we want to continue to be a caring family of multiplying disciples together. And, and as I shared this morning, even part of our desire as we continue on in this mission is that we would adopt what, what it means. How can we love one another in this place? How can we love each other that we might give this plausibility of what it means to be the people of God? And for some of us, maybe that means adopting this rhythm of, of, of worshiping and serving in another service, this two-service rhythm. If you have questions about that, we'd love to chat with you. There's various ways that you can serve and love those in this place. And so as we leave this place to be the church scattered, I want to share these words from the, uh, the Apostle John, uh, the words of Jesus in the Apostle John's uh, Gospel as we hear these words of Jesus reminding us that it is our love for one another that displays God's goodness in this world. So hear these words as we leave to be the church scattered. Brothers and sisters, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, that you also are to love one another. And by this, here, here's the kicker, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. May that be so of us. Go in peace. Have a great week.